Hello and welcome to the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson, the podcast designed to give you all the financial advice you'll ever need. This is episode 151, where in a moment we chat cash is king. Or is it? That's in just a second, as I say, but please bear in mind if you have a general financial query, you're in the right place because we have an enormous resource of free advice right here. And you can access it all simply through delving into our back catalogue of shows because in our programmes to date, we featured loads of stuff, mortgages, investing, wills and powers of attorney and heaps more. You name it, we've done it pretty much. And last time we asked the fund manager with guest expert Tom Stokes, financial director with Aviva Investors. Find the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts and you'll get us there. Like I say, an enormous resource, all available for free. Find our previous shows after listening to this one and have a binge on what you need. While you're there, if you could rate and review us, for instance, you could tell us what we need to address to help you out and follow the show. And then that way, you'll get that episode when we record it next time. I'm John Ellis, and here's the start of our show. It's Phil Anderson. Hi, Phil. Hi, John. How are you today? Good, thank you. Okay, so uh, an episode called Cash is King, or is it? Let's maybe do a bit of backstory. Where, where did the saying Cash is King come from? Yeah, it's been, been around for a few years now. I mean, no, nobody really is 100% sure of the, the origins and where it did come from. But one of the first times that it kind of came up was... Back in 1987, the, the CEO of um, Swedish car company Volvo, at the time there, there was a stock market crash in 1987. And after that, that was where he'd sort of coined that phrase at that point in time about cash as king. So that, that's kind of where we think it sort of originates from, but there's no sort of definite answer to that. Uh, what, what, what exactly do we mean by the term? Put it in context for us. Yeah, it can mean different things and, and slightly different things to, to different people. But one of the, the kind of things is that so, some people would say that by having cash as king, it means that you're in a good position like to have cash available. So, for example, if stock markets fall, you've then got the cash there to buy it. Some people would say that it's maybe you've got cash there to survive periods of a hard time. But it is so some people interpret it as just having cash being important but one thing sort of during a recession if you've got access to cash it's important to have some there because you need some sort of liquid assets or easy accessible assets so it can have a couple of different sort of meanings to, to different people mm, i think in my family we go down the line of my granny's saying which was dinner spend what you can't fold and yeah. <laughs> the time you yeah. could also say, like, if you've got cash, you're king. That could be yeah. a similar kind of way around it as well. But I guess. I know. So different kept, different interpretations. Kept like, uh, in a clip in your top pocket like Del Boy. In the time we're in now, when, when the interest rate's been sort of creeping up, what, what does a higher Bank of England base rate mean for, for people with money in cash? That's it. For, for a number of years now, interest rates in the UK have been really low with, with a period of low inflation and a period of low interest rates. So that's fairly changed just in the, the last sort of year or so, or, or certainly so far this year, interest rates have been going up quite a bit. If you had money in the bank or building society, let, let's say sort of five years ago, you would hardly have got in any interest at all. Whereas in recent months, the Bank of England base rate, it's gone up. In November 2021, it was at 0.1% was the, the bank base rate there. As we record this, it's now up to 5.25%. So there's been a fair 
increase in that. And I think since November 2021, we've had sort of 14 increases in, in that time. So interest rates have been creeping up and it, it has quite a big impact on, on people in a number of different ways. I mean, if, if you've got savings, great, you're going to get a bit of interest on that. If you've got a mortgage, it's not so good because like Lou does that unless you're on a fixed rate mortgage, your payments are going to be be rising and, and going up there. Or even when you come to the end of a fixed rate mortgage, you're likely to see your payments rise quite a bit if, if that was taken out so a few years ago. But what I would say about like one of the things that the base higher base rate means for people is that it means that if you've got money in cash, it's going to be getting you more interest now than it would have, say, a couple of years ago. Although that maybe isn't the case in real terms, but we'll we'll touch on that shortly as well. Mm. So marginally better than than having it in your, your shoebox under your bed. The best place then for your cash, Phil, where is it? It's funny you mentioned about a shoebox. I remember before my granddad <laughs> died, he had money under the floorboards. and <laughs> In a shoebox? I know it wasn't long before his death that he actually told folk that it was there. And that, that was it. If he hadn't said to him, nobody would have ever known. I didn't <laughs> know how much money was there, but jeepers, that's uh, just probably near the best place. Or if the house had ever gone up and like fire or anything, I would have been gone. So. Well, the, the, the other thing I think is even if it had flooded, right? So you, if, it's in, if it's in a cardboard box or if rats got to, they say you're never more than, what, six feet away from a rat? In, in, yeah. in the world if yeah. rats had got to that it'd have been chewed up into, into bits I'm not saying stick it in the bank but stick it in a wooden box at least sorry <laughs> I digress where's the no, best no, place I... the best place for your cash Phil yeah I mean it's funny going back to that as well I mean like that would have been the old paper notes was like, uh, I don't know could, could the rats still eat the, the notes now oh, I don't I'd, know if that would be ooh, I don't know possible but I'm not anyway, risking I'm it. digressing sorry <laughs> best place for your cash depends on a lot of different things. First of all, it depends what your kind of plans are for that money. So if you've got money to buy a house in, say, six months' time, you're going to want to keep that money fairly accessible. If you've got cash in a pension pot and you don't retire for 30 years, then you can look at other options for investing as opposed to kind of short-term cash deposit savings accounts. So that, that's one big factor is what you need the, the money for. Another factor I would say is a lot depends on what risks you're comfortable with taking as well. I mean, just now we've got a lot of people, stock markets are, are going up and down quite they volatile, but some people don't like that. And, and we're actually getting a few clients phoning up, oh, I thought this, not happy with the performance of this, but they're longer term kind of investments as opposed to, to sort of shorter term things. So it really does depend what your, your plans are for, for the money. I mean, some, some people think that cash deposits are no risk. However, that's not really the case because you've got inflation risk as well. And like I say, that's something we'll, we'll kind of touch on as we, we go through the, the show. I, I was having a look this morning at the best instant access sort of savings account rates. And I must stress that these change from time to time and a lot will depend on when somebody's listening to this podcast as to what the best rates would be but the, the post office have got an online saver account which you can open with a pound and currently the interest rate on that is 4.7% so that, that's kind of like the, the sort of rates that you can get for, for instant access sort of cash accounts at the minute. I used to have one of those when I was a kid. I think my, my uncle Jimmy started it for me and he, he stuck some money in the account. And at that point, he'd, he'd investigate the market. Guess what the interest rate was back then? Is that when things were really high? <laughs> That's when things were good, Phil. Uh -huh. 
That was I it wouldn't be good if you had a mortgage back then. So. Yeah, well, it was it was ten percent. That was the interest rate. So you know you basically stuck at hundred and you know got your tenor back. Yeah. But the the best place for cash, you know, four point seven percent. You're saying just now, it used to be now, and I don't know. This is just a sort of casual observation. Phil, it used to be a general rule of thumb, as far as I thought was, the longer you're prepared to put cash away for. You know, so that you don't have access to it. Yeah. Usually, the the better the rate that they might offer, it might not be yeah. substantially better, but but it would be a little bit better, wouldn't it? Yeah, you tend to find. I mean, like if if you're happy to tie up your money for, like you get fixed term deposits, and and if you go for like a two or three year fixed rate, you can maybe get neither about six percent at the minute, but that does involve usually tying the money up for a set period of time. Some some of those fixed term deposits have got a good use. I mean, if if you thought right. I've got this money. I know I'll need it in two years for, let's say, your kids' university fees or whatever it is. Then that might be a good place to, to kind of look at. I think if, if you're looking at leaving money longer term, that's when you should be speaking to a financial advisor to say, right, what investments are available, what opportunities are, are out there, because you're hoping that you can get more and some of that sort of investments. But I must admit, when, when cash is at this kind of level, people look at it and they think, oh, I can get 6%. Why would I want to take risk to get a bit more? But as we'll touch on later, inflation impacts on, on things as well. But it is that there's various things to, to kind of think about. But coming to the, the fixed term deposits, you can get them that's got slightly higher rate than that instant access account rates just now. Now, mind your head here, Phil, because I've got my wallet and I'm about to open it. So you'll hear the hinge going... Because it doesn't happen that often, but also moths might fly out. Here's the thing, though, right? This is a sign of this is a sign of two things. So in in my wallet, I've got a load of receipts, which which proves I'm self-employed and old-fashioned. But also, I don't have a single note. I, I don't know about you. I very rarely have actual money on me at any point these days. I'm like the royal family. I don't carry cash. The difference is they have some. But are we moving? Do you think towards a cashless society? I think we are. I mean, I, I think. The taxman's keen for that because they can monitor things probably a bit more to make sure people are paying the, the correct amount of tax. But you're right. I, I mean, I've got in, in the office, I've got like a, a couple of piggy banks, one in the office, and I've got a bottle at home that I, I usually fill up with change. And oh, I used to be emptying these things quite frequently. I'd mm. go out for my lunch, pay for my lunch, any change, bang, into the piggy banks. And every now and again, I'd open them up, a few hundred quid, pop it in the bank or do something with, with it. And now I haven't emptied these for ages. And I feel like I, I put a couple of pounds in one today and that was felt like the first time I put money in them for, for a long time. But you're right, now nowadays, I mean, I, I just feel like I'm hardly using cash at all. I, know. I was in London a, a couple of weeks ago and when I was there, I, I didn't use cash once the whole weekend that I, I was there. And even credit cards are and, and like your cards, even there, it's like, can I get them replaced a wee bit through things like Apple Pay, Google Pay? So easy now, is it? You just up to the machine, click your phone, ping, and that's it. It's like, it's just nuts. So I, I know a lot of places, I mean, when I was in London, the, the stadium that we were in, I was down watching the cricket, and I know a lot of sports stadiums, music venues, they're all now like cashless stadiums, yeah, yeah. like cashless sort of venues. And even our local baker in Ellen, they used to just take cash. Even they've now got a card machine installed as well. So I think we are kind of gradually moving towards that sort of almost like a cashless society. 
It's interesting, isn't it? Even if you don't have an Oyster card in London, if you're going through any of the undergrounds, you just tap your card and go. And at some point, you will see all these charges coming onto your your credit card or your your bank card. The next thing I'm told, Phil, is you can use your palm print because your palm print is as identical as your as your fingerprint. So when yeah. you're going through the scanner, you just scan your palm. And that is unique to you. You won't have to carry cards or, or anything, not even your, your phone. Um, you mentioned inflation a couple of times, Phil. Tell us how that affects cash. Yeah, it, it has a massive impact. Um, to, to give you an example, like if, if we went back to, let's say in 2020, at that point, inflation that year was 1.23%. So the, the government had a target, try to keep it below 2% was the, what they were, or the Bank of England was looking to keep it below 2%. And in 2020, inflation was 1.23%. Now, the Bank of England base rate at that point, the, the base rate is like a, a kind of rate that we often use. That that if When the Bank of England puts the base rate up or down, interest rates tend to go up or down all the various sort of financial institutions at the same time. So that's why I often refer to the, the Bank of England base rate. But back in 2020, the base rate was only 0.1% back then. So let, let's say that you were getting 0.1% on your savings at that point. In real terms, you would be down by 1.22% in real terms. Now, you might have got some savings accounts paying 1% at, at that stage, but just to give you an example, if inflation was 1.23 and you were getting 0.1%, effectively inflation is eroding your money in real terms that year by 1.22%. Now, this year, the base rate's risen to 525 So most people with, with kind of savings would think, oh, great, I'm going to be getting more interest. Now, inflation, I think just the other day, they, they said it's, it is coming down. Um, I think the last figure that came away with was 6.8%. But for a lot of this year, it's been running at 10% or above for, for quite a lot of it. But let, let's just say, using the kind of latest figures, so then let, let's say you get a return of 5.25% on your money. In real terms, because of inflation, you're, you're actually going to be 1.55% worse off because of, of inflation. So a lot of people with, with money in cash... They they actually they, they think that they're going to be better off because the interest rates are going up, but because inflation's high, they're actually worse off. So they, they often don't realize that because of this. So inflation plays a, a huge part in, in people's lives and whether you've got mortgages or savings or, or whatever. But another thing as well when it comes to, to savings is you've also got to remember that, that there may be tax coming off your, your savings as well, depending on what type of account you've got. I mean, you do get some accounts like cash ISAs where, where there's no tax comes off of them, but it is, it's hard for cash accounts to keep pace with, with inflation. And, and that's why if somebody goes and sits with a financial advisor, they'll look at all their, their kind of attitude to risk, capacity for loss. They'll look at the plans for the money, what plans they've got for the future. So they, they'll kind of look and, and take into account all that sort of thing. It's a funny one, inflation as well, isn't it? I even heard on the, the news the other day, whenever the inflation came down, they had on spokespeople saying, oh, well, that's that's great. You know, when it comes on to the shops, 
and and the prices come down. I'm thinking, well, the prices aren't coming down. They're just no, not going up it. quite as fast. Just means they're le- they're rising less quickly. It's like- I, and and this was a spokesperson for like the grocery industry. I'm thinking you're not mm-hmm. you're not getting this. One of the things we've spoken about before in terms of cash is the idea of a sort of rainy day money, or as we call it here, emergency funds. There's a guide we've spoken about before in terms of how much you should look to have in your emergency fund, isn't there? What, what is that? And and how much yeah. should you be trying to sort of squiddle away each month to establish I was thinking, if, if you've got like three to six months salary in a bank account, that, that's going to give you a bit of leeway and, and flexibility. There's no right or wrong answer. And I mean, what, what you don't want is to have to end up kind of borrowing money. Like if it, it short-term borrowings can often be at, at quite expensive interest rates. So what, what an emergency fund does is it just gives you peace of mind it is so important to have an emergency fund because it can cover things like unexpected bills. It, it can cover things like if your car broke down, you might be able to use some of that money for, for that sort of thing. But you just never know what's around the, the corner. But I would say if if you had like three to six months wages, it's also good to look at income protection. That's something we've, we've mentioned in various shows as well. So that if you were off work sick for any reason, you've maybe still got sick pay coming in. That can be a, a good thing to have. But if it was like a car breakdown, for example, sick pay at your work's not going to cover that. So it's good to have some sort of emergency fund there just to, and having some cash accessible for, for that sort of needs. Okay, let's take a look at the uh, the pros and cons here then, Phil. What are some of the advantages of, of having money in cash? I suppose the advantage is that a lot of cash accounts are fairly accessible. So if, if you needed that money out quite quickly, that's a major benefit of having money in cash. Another benefit of having cash and, and having it accessible is that when you see opportunities, like whenever you feel the time is right to, to maybe invest in something, that can be quite good. So like, for example, you might think, right, I want to invest in property, but I want to do it at a time where I think it's maybe the price is bottomed out or you maybe want to invest in the stock market. But again, you think, right, is it a good time to go in now? Are things overpriced? You, you might think, right, well, I wait to have a recession, so I might hold off and wait. One of the hard things, though, is that it's very hard to time markets. It's very hard to know when property markets have bottomed out. It's very hard to know when equity markets have, have done the same. And there's an old saying that we've discussed plenty of times in the podcast as well about time in the markets and not timing the markets because nobody, even the experts, don't know when the best time to go into to any market says and they usually say look longer you're invested the better because longer term thing things will do well so but that that's a major advantage of cash is that for example let's say there was a bit of a, a stock market crash or property crash and you had cash there accessible you might think right now's a good time to go in or certainly I'm a better time in, than yeah. it was previously so that that would be a real advantage of having cash and then also things like having it as an emergency fund for for any emergencies as well so few few different advantages there okay and the downside the disadvantages of having your money in cash what are those yeah I'd probably say the, the disadvantages are that in, in over the longer term cash returns do tend to be much lower than investments in state the, the stock market or property so so usually I mean I, I'm kind of looking at I mean, individual shares can can go up and down, but if, if we looked at like sort of multi-asset investing and different sort of categories of, of places you can put your money, generally over the longer term, things like equity investments, property investments, 
they tend to do an awful lot better than than cash investments. So I, I would probably say a disadvantage of having your money in cash is that the returns do tend to be lower over the, the longer period. One thing that we haven't really mentioned much in the, the show today as well is that like having cash as opposed to paying off any debts, I had mentioned it just briefly, but um, if you've got debts, consider the interest rate that you're paying because if you had, let's say, a, a credit card with a balance on it and the interest rate was 25%, you might think, right, I want to save up in a bank account. If you're only getting 5%, you're losing 20%. So you might be better paying off debts before trying to save in, uh, to kind of like savings and cash accounts as well. So that's just another thing for people to weigh up. Hmm. I'm thinking as we, as we get towards the end of this, Phil, it's maybe an unfair question, but having listened to, to what you've, you've said, I'm wondering if cash has ever actually been king or is it still king now? What, what's your, your take on that? You've got, I mean, like it's good to have some money in cash, undoubtedly. Things like emergency funds, you never know what you're you're going to need the, the money for. If you've got plans for it, then if you're going you don't want to invest, for example, in the stock market or into equities, if it's only going to be for a year or two, that tends to be more money that's going to be left for a number of years. I mean, sometimes it can do well. People might think, right, I'll take it out in a year or two, but that tends to be more like longer term things. But it's good to have some sort of cash. I know like a lot of fund managers with Tom on last week, they, they would probably keep quite a bit in cash there. So that again, looking for opportunities, but they're the experts and that sort of thing. So they, they're well placed. They've got big research teams that do all of that. They, they spend hours and hours doing research into different investments. Whereas for, for the average person, they're not going to have time to, usually to, to do that sort of thing. But cash is important, but, I would probably say when you say cash is king, I know as a business owner, having cash is important for us for paying bills, paying staff. It's good to have money there. Again, for for opportunities. I mean, we, we've got money in the bank and always thought, right, if the right office comes up, we could afford to buy it rather than rent it. So it does cash is important because it does allow you opportunities. And and probably going back to what I said earlier. Having cash is maybe king. That's maybe a better way to, to put things. <laughs> okay. Now, as we always do, Phil, on your podcast, we take a look at how our subject matter has affected your own life, both professionally and personally. So what do you want to focus on from today's show, Cash is King, or is it? Yeah, I mean, for, for me personally, just now, I mean, I'm, I'm currently selling my house due to move out of that in the, the next couple of months. Once that's sold, I'm going to have cash there. But that's really earmarked, should I look to buy somewhere else? I mean, we, we put in an offer for one place, it got turned down. What we're looking at doing is thinking, right, might rent for a wee while. Locally, the demand for the sort of property that, that we put the offer in for is really quite low. And I'm kind of thinking, well, that, the prices of that type of house might actually come down a bit more. I'm quite patient. I'm happy to, to kind of rent for a while, bide my time, see if I'm right. I might be wrong. I mean, it, it's not within the realms of possibility that prices could start going back up in that type of property. But I, I spoke to a few experts, done a bit of research, and I thought, right, we'll just keep that money accessible. So again, if the opportunity comes up for us to buy the right house or something that would re- think, oh, really desperate to go and stay there, that would be be great. So for me personally, I can't invest that money as I, I, I might need that for, for a house purchase. So that's kind of what I've got going on myself at the moment. But if if I didn't have plans for that money, then I'd be looking at investing it in mm. equities, property, different different things. 
But in this instance, Karkani Kash is king. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also on the podcast, a regular bit we delve into is your quote of the week. Being a fan, as you are, of influential and motivational sayings and quotes, what do you have uh, for this week on our topic of cash is king or is it? So the, the quote this week's from from Warren Buffett. I'm glad he doesn't charge us royalties for, for using his <laughs> quotes because we've used quite a few. The quote this week, when people talk about cash being king, it's not king if it just sits there and never does anything. I don't know. I know quite a few kings that do pretty much exactly that. <laughs> <laughs> now, Phil is uh, really keen on trying to help you with your query. So if ever you want to email a question to us, please do. And as always, we can ask them anonymously if that's how you prefer it. Let's get on to this week's contact details in just a second. I'll give it to you after these. This first one is from Pat in Invergordon, who says, Hi, Phil. My mum is in council-funded full-time care, and we've just sold her and my dad's home after he died last year. They had an equity release mortgage on their property, but after paying everything off, my mum now has the profit in her bank account. My understanding is that she will no longer receive subsidised care, but I've been told the council can remove money from her account to pay for charges where she's previously been subsidised because she's now come into this money. Is that correct? And if so, is there a way to legally avoid it as that's the only money she has? That seems quite complex, that one. Phil, what have you got in that? Well, in, in Scotland, if you've got assets over £29,750, you pay the full cost of your care from your, your assets. If you've got under 18500 you'd be entitled to the maximum level of local authority support. And if you've got assets in between that amount, it's kind of like tapered, the, the amount that you would contribute. But what I would have thought there is that I, I would have thought that the home would have been declared when she went into care because usually what happens is you fill in a form and put everything down at that point. A lot will depend on the way the ownership of the property was set up as well. You, you can actually, there's a couple of different ways that you can own a property. So one one way is that you can own it kind of jointly. Um, the other way is that you can own it and own like half each. So that, for example, when, when he died, his half would go to well, for example, the kids or to, to her. Now, if it was set up in that way, his his half, I mean, if his will had said that it was left to her, one thing that you can do is you can actually change a will after somebody's death. So there, there might be the option to kind of do that. What I would say is it's worth speaking to a solicitor to see if they can change the father's will and to see if that can maybe be done. So that might be one way of trying to help the situation. If somebody needed a, a good solicitor, if they got in touch with us, that's something that we can kind of point them in the right direction. Um, I think you said they were Inver Gordon, and we, we know a, like a, a really good firm in Inverness and also one up in Wick, which is a wee bit further away, but we, we've got good solicitor connections all over, not just Scotland, but all over the UK that, that can help with that sort of things as well. But there, there'd probably be a few more questions we need to kind of probe into, but that just a rough so answer for, for that one. Okay. Next up, here's one from Kenny in Inverness, who asks, Hi, Phil. I've heard you say in previous shows you think things will ease off in terms of the cost of living crisis from around maybe the turn of the year. Do you think lenders will make more mortgage products available or become slightly more relaxed about affordability as this happens? Yeah, I mean, at the moment, it's unusual. Although the Bank of England base rate went up recently, 
we're actually seeing mortgage rates coming down just now. Now, that, that'll seem a bit strange to people, but th- there's a bit of a price war going on just at the, the moment with the mortgages. So although the Bank of England rate's been going up, the, the mortgage lenders have actually been reducing a lot of rates, which is quite bizarre, but that, that's quite good. And if rates come down, that helps a bit with, with the affordability. Lenders will tend to think if your monthly payment's less, it's going to be more affordable to you. Some lenders are still a bit concerned about affordability just now. People are seeing bills go up an awful lot over the, the last wee while. But what I would say is if you're looking for mortgages, but you want to speak to a whole of market mortgage broker because they can look at all the different options that's available for you. They've got access to all the different lenders. They can know who can lend what and which ones might offer you a bit more based on your circumstances. So you, you would want to have a, a chat with a, a whole market mortgage broker if that's the, the case at the moment. Okay. Would you say as well, before you get in touch with a question, you might want to take a look at our back catalogue because we've covered a fair few topics now and we might have touched on what you're interested in. I'm John Ellis. Thank you for joining us for episode 151 of the UK Personal Finance Show with Phil Anderson. If you feel you need a helping hand with anything we've been chatting about or anything else of a monetary matter, find Phil for finance. Search Phil Anderson Financial Services online or join the Facebook group for the show. Search Personal Finance Community. That's Personal Finance Community on Facebook. Phil's on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. Or why not email Phil a question he can answer on a future show. His address is phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. That's phil at philandersonfinancial.co.uk. Send him your question and Phil could be answering it in an upcoming podcast. And please be assured we won't use your real name if that's what you'd prefer. Remember, if you found this useful, please rate and recommend us and please follow us on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Then you'll get us every week with the info you want when you need it. You'll get all the links you need on Phil's social media. Good luck with your money. Phil's doing his best to help make that cash go further. We'll see you next time. And thanks for listening. 